0: So, welcome to. Wow, is this episode four? Four already. The Inking Out Loud podcast. Uh, welcome I back, am, everybody. Drew McCaffrey, your co host. I am Robert Santos, your co host. And we have our special guest, Jared Livingston, here once again. Yo. What's up,
1: Jared? What's up? Can, can you have two co hosts, or do you just have a host and a co host? Does that make sense to say co host and co host? I think co hosts make sense, yeah. Yeah? Okay. We'll go with that then. Yeah, we'll go with that. Uh, We've just finished the second half of David Farland's Rune Lords, the sum of all men. And I have a lot to talk about because um, I loved the book. I really did. Uh, it was awesome. It, it, it had a lot of fantasy tropes that I wasn't expecting to enjoy this time around. Of course, uh Binnis Man's whole, uh, his, his whole, I guess, I don't want to call it an arc. He, did, he, he definitely had a lot less to do in the second half than he did in the first half. And that was not what I expected. I expected a lot more businessman. And I was a little more disappointed with that.
0: But what he did was big.
1: It was awesome, though. It was incredible. And Farland really knows how to end a book. I want to come right out and say that. It was one of the best endings of of a fantasy book that I've read in the past few years, um, to say the least. It was epic. It was cinematic. It was fast. Uh, There was a lot going on um yeah, tell me you guys want to uh okay tell me no, how
0: badly you want to see the battle of long on the screen oh it was incredible uh
1: absolutely like i would watch that i would pay just to watch that oh yeah like give me like a half hour kind of compressed version oh, of, yeah. a, of a high budget cinematic uh just i guess uh What's the word I'm looking for? Interpretation of that. Yeah. Uh, on the big screen, that would be really something to watch. I had flashbacks you know, of so Hell's cool. Deep. The dark sky. the Oh, the, yeah. The, the storm. Oh, the my God. Mushroom the, cloud. The battle. Like, oh. Yeah. I love how the, the 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 flame weavers. Sorry, did I say that right? Are they flame weavers? Yeah, flame weavers. Yep. Yeah, the flame weavers were literally pulling heat out of the sky and, like, yeah. turning it dark. And I will say that it kind of surprised me to hear a lot of those descriptions because in, in my own novels that I hope to publish someday, I have a magic system that kind of works. It sounds like it works a lot like mm. the Flame Weavers in this one. Mm. So I'm a little concerned. I haven't read the rest obviously of the of the Rune Lords. I'm going to now definitely because if I'm making then again, it's it's just a basic kind of elemental It is. Magic system, right? Like how yeah. unique can you really be with one of those? But I definitely want to yeah. check that He out just more. he just
0: takes interesting applications of a, a standard elemental right. magic system. Right.
1: And those are the best kinds of magic systems I find are magic systems that take a simple concept, but that has so many different in, like, interpretations, so mm-hmm. many different things you could think to do with them off of a, sim, like a single simple idea.
0: And so on the subject of magic systems, let's go to the other magic system in this, uh, which okay. is, of course, the endowments and dedicates and vectors and everything. And yeah. there's, a, again, a very interesting application of that in the second half of this book with the serpent ring. Oh, the serpent ring was such a good idea.
1: And, I, I, it's another one of those moments where I was like, how did I not think of that?
0: Right? Yeah. It, so, it's such
1: an, it seems like an obvious thing.
0: And so early in the book, we, we discover that there is uh, the possibility of using vectors where essentially one person gives a dedicate to another person. And then that person who has given that endowment, if they receive that same endowment, they just vector that straight yeah. to the rune lord they originally gave a ve- uh, an endowment saw... to a lot of that
1: in the first half, too, didn't we?
0: Yeah, yeah. So, well, that was what uh, Iome did with her glamour. Right. Uh, she refused to give her endowment directly to Raja 10, and yeah. so she gave her endowment to another woman who had previously given an endowment to Raja 10. And so her her endowment ultima- ultimately ended up with Raja 10, but it wasn't a direct thing. So when huh. when that vector was killed, when the, uh, the branch broke and fell on the dedicates wagon and killed everybody in it... Uh, her connection, Ioma's connection to Rajatam was broken, and she got yep. her glamour back.
1: Regained her. But so, so
0: using this idea of vectors, uh, King Ordon, as a sort of you know last gambit, <laughs> has what was it, twenty-two uh, noblemen and knights who all have previous endowments. I believe it was twenty-two. Was the the okay. final number. Um, Either way, it's a lot of endowments. Yeah, yeah. So, and and all of them had at least one endowment of metabolism to begin with. Yes. And, uh, and so each of them gave an endowment of metabolism to the next in a ring, so that all of them like are aging at the normal rate as long yes. as they're acting normally. But one of them can use the whole pool of what whatever like forty six endowments yes. of metabolism they can draw from that. And so he uses that to fight Raja 10, who takes a a different route where he basically um, makes like 20 of his most, you know, badass invincibles uh, give an endowment of metabolism to his failed assassin Salim al-Daub and, uh, and, and, and intends after the battle to kill his vector there. And so he won't like age and die in a matter of two months or whatever. But so we get this crazy battle between one-on-one King Ordon and Raja Ten, where they're running like 160 miles an hour yeah, and that
1: was pretty cool. That struggling
0: pretty cool. to like figure out how to manage their inertia and wind resistance and
2: lean into runs.
0: Yeah, and 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 uh King Ordon succeeds in decapitating Raja Ten and discovers, well shit, he has so many endowments of stamina that even decapitation doesn't work. He he just heals up <laughs> as soon as the sword passes through and and that leaves us with a an interesting question here at the end how do you kill raja 10 yeah like he he is basically like that, that's of course something that you're wondering
1: throughout the course of the entire book but i mean you get a literal taste of it it's like at least you had a hope that something like that simple would work until the very end you you get it tested right there farland waited until the perfect time to show you it's like well sorry bud but that's not going to work either. Um, yeah. On on the subject of the serpent ring, though, is it serpent or serpents ring? Serpent, singular. So the, okay, So the yeah. serpent ring. Does that sound uh, familiar to you at all? Harkening back to any other magic well, system that we've uh, that we've seen?
0: <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I mean, you know, the the obvious connection there is the the great serpent ring that the Eye uh No,
1: sorry, not the uh, the name of the ring, like the the effect. I should pardon me. I should have made it more clear. Like the effect of it, having twenty people linked. With one another, Oh oh Oh, you're you're going for evenly. like a like a
0: full circle of thirteen yeah, channelers. Yeah, like, it,
1: it sounds a lot like um, channelers linking. Like those who can, of course, channel the one power in the Wheel of Time by in Robert Jordan's uh, Wheel of Time series. <laughs> um, I was like, this is a really cool, interesting application of this of this magic system. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it it definitely fulfilled its promises. Leading up to that battle, you were like, this is going to be interesting. Is this going to be as epic as I hope it is? And oh yeah. Oh, uh, yeah oh, Farland yeah. pays off I, I, it was it was great again so cinematic I would pay to see that on the big
0: screen um yeah anything I, else I you
1: guys I, want to discuss about the magic system in particular before we go on to the characters perhaps
0: well I, I think we should discuss the Battle of longmont first here oh I, yeah okay I, let's uh, let's
1: continue the the you battle
0: know, you know so so setting the stage you know uh, King Ordon has hold up in longmot and has sort of misdirected Raja 10 into thinking that his forty thousand forcibles are in Longmont and that uh, there's a massive army that has been gathered across all the kingdoms of Rothhaven yep. converging on Longmot and uh and so in reality of course Ordin only has like his 2,000 knights and uh, you know, and then he gets like a, another maybe three thousand knights from Castle Dreys and Castle Groverman, mm-hmm. and then he has like a bunch of knights equitable and and outlaws and peasant boys who all show up to to join the fight, and he he ends up yeah, with about six thousand soldiers defending this castle, and 10 shows up with a similar force, right around six thousand, but Ten has his flame weavers, the endowments and the elementals and all the
1: fun stuff that and, makes this a scary scary time.
0: And so and and when Rajaten marched into Herodon at the beginning of this book, he had five flame weavers.
1: Mm-hmm. His head
0: flame weaver, his pyromancer is dead, was killed uh, by was that
1: Gaborn's hand? Yeah, Gaborn killed yes. her
0: in Castle Silveresta. And mm-hmm. he loses another one here at Longmont. Uh Rajaten dodges a ballista shaft and it spears this flame weaver <laughs> 10 feet behind him after he gets out of the way and uh, and, and it's a complete loss uh, unlike the yeah. one in Castle Silveresta which you know the elemental that bursts forth in flames from the, the dead body where it did damage at Castle Silveresta it killed a bunch of um, mm-hmm. you know uh, Borensen's Mystarian knights before it dissipated this one tries to attack Longmont and is totally negated by yeah. King Ordon's uh water wards built into his shield. Yes. And I so, expected
1: that to come in a little more important later. Like somebody was gonna reclaim the shield and bring it back up at the last moment and stop an even bigger disaster somehow. But the shield really it, it kind of played its it single use out there. Too. Yeah,
0: and, and it was it was placed on King Ordon's body at the end. Uh you know, yeah. obviously, so as we kind of touched on earlier, when King Ordon fought Raja Ten, he decapitated Raja Ten, it didn't work. Nope. And Raja Ten. Proceeded to stomp on him literally.
1: Yeah, that was brutal. <laughs> like, I wasn't expecting something quite that graphic. Yeah, like, but I mean, it, it kind of sets the tone out with Like, and... okay, yeah, this is what Farland's going to be comfortable with. Okay, so I'm going to get comfortable with this too. Not a lot of like really graphic stuff.
0: Yeah, it's <laughs> like not gratuitous the way some grim dark yeah. is. Some you know something that you'll find in a Song of Ice and Fire mm-hmm. or. Uh, Joe Abercrombie's books, or something like that. Not a that. fan
1: of the grim dark myself,
0: um, but uh, but, I can but, but it these. is it is certainly graphic. It, I mean, it's yeah. violent. Um, it's, you know, yeah. Uh, yeah. So so eventually, you know, Rajten has his flame weavers open a portal to the netherworld, and they summon flame salamanders, <laughs> and they have uh, um more. That's where they lost me a little bit. More mundane means, even of of creating probably their master stroke really is they have this hot air balloon that they dump explosive powders from and then they send a wall of fire against castle Longmot and it ignites yeah. the powders and it's basically a nuke I mean it's there's a mushroom cloud yeah. you know it it blows up the gate yeah and uh <laughs> and you know and at, at that point the flame weavers have drawn all the heat out of the whole environment the, the sky is black it's hailing it's snowing it's freezing mm-hmm. cold and uh and in that moment i uh, you know as i said it's the masterstroke it kills like two thousand of king Orden's men and the wall is totally unmanned yeah. and rajatan's army gains entry into the castle
1: like one could very easily argue that's exactly where rajatan won the battle with that yeah. single moment i mean there is a lot of things leading up and, to it, a lot of if, factors coming into play
0: um yeah, and if oh, there's go on, go another ahead. moment that you could make an argument for where he won it, it was when he discovers the use of his voice.
1: Yes, that. Where, I, I, by the way, I see exactly what you were talking about last week when I originally said, "Oh yeah, so voice in particular seems to be uh, pretty important." And then you just kind of got this little cheeky grid on your face, mm-hmm. and you were just like, oh, yeah, voice is definitely going to be important in this book. <laughs> I didn't think it meant that literally. Yeah. That was intimidating. Uh, I find it interesting For all this time,
2: he never discovered to do that. Until
1: yeah. yeah I, like, I, I hadn't even considered that as a possible use. And, and when I, I first heard it, I was like, well, that's impossible. You get, even if he's got 10,000. Uh, endowments of voice, you get 10,000 men in a wall, they uh, scream at a stone wall, nothing's going to happen to it. But then I realized, oh no, but if you have 10,000 voices coming out of one throat, that and, kind of concentrated and with, power. And
0: with 10,000 endowments of brawn, yeah, those muscles forcing the, the air out.
1: Yeah. And- it. Uh, I was like, oh no, that makes... Okay, I see how that works. Simple physics in action. He's planned yeah. even for that with his magic system. Yeah. I love it. Where I he love can it. It's, essentially... it's so easy to see where Brandon Sanderson gets it, isn't it?
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Not so, to compare the two
1: too much, but there's oh. definitely some influences there that I like seeing.
0: Yeah. And so, um, but but what you kind of touched on there actually ties into a big theme in this book, and, and that is that Rajatan, in all these years, never thought about trying that. And and what, oh, yeah. what that, that is a little odd. What, what that kind of points out is, um, Raja Ten he wins the Battle of Longmont, but he loses. He's forced to flee. He's forced to flee, and he he's doesn't, forced it, to flee because he doesn't have complete information. He doesn't yeah. know everything.
1: And he, a lot of his dedicates did die. He's yeah. not now. He's kind of unsure about the advent. Yeah, of the he has Earth no metabolism now.
0: Like um, oh really? I missed that. Yeah, that yeah when when the uh, when the branch broke and crushed that dedicates wagon, it. it makes mention that the specific dedicate that he used as his vector for all of his five or six endowments of oh, metabolism yeah. died in that moment. and oh, wait, and so he the, that's effectively about, speed, yes? What
1: was that? That's effectively speed, like how fast you yes. can... The, like when he catches the arrow out of the air yes. and looks at it dismissively, that's of metabolism unfortunate work. Yeah, yeah. Is
0: he, has, he has become a warrior of unfortunate proportion. So... <laughs> That he
1: has. That he definitely has.
0: Yeah. Um but but and that's as I was saying that this is a major theme in this book. Raja losses in this book are all due to lack of information. He's baited yeah, into attacking Longmont because he thinks the forcibles are there. Mm-hmm. And they're not. He he loses them. Um he is forced to retreat from Longmont because he believes this huge conglomeration uh you know, a legion of all of the kingdoms of Roofhaven is yep. has been amassed and is marching on Longmont, when in reality it's Gaborn <laughs> and about a thousand knights and then a quarter million a heads of city. cattle and sheep and goats yep. and and shepherds and women and children and yep. uh peasants. Yeah and just
1: and I love that moment when uh Tells them, or maybe he tells uh, Gaborn to tell them to pass on that information, that idea of hey, kick up a little more dirt while you're mm-hmm, walking, mm-hmm. too, right? So they can see that cloud coming. I was like, oh, this is this might actually work. And speaking of might actually work, I want to go really quickly back to the uh, the one-on-one uh, battle that we got between Raj and and yeah. the King, uh, King Orden. That was pretty epic. I I was. I admit once I heard the idea of the Serpent Ring and I finally understood it and its implications, my first question is how, Yeah, obviously how do you kill Rajatun? But how do you kill uh, King Gordon? King Gordon's going to be pretty damn tough. And when he runs away from the castle, away from his vectors or, well, the ring itself, yeah. I'm thinking, okay, so how, how the hell is Rajatun going to take this guy down if he's if he doesn't have access to those who are feeding him power? I didn't consider the fact that he would just break him and leave him there. Yeah. Because that is the single most effective way to fight the head of a serpent ring, isn't it? Just to break their body so they can't move and just leave them somewhere. But leave them alive. Yeah, leave them alive, exactly. Uh, I I did love King Ordon's final kind of reckoning, his final scene where he decides finally to take his own life and pass on the powers to... um, What's that guy's name? Shostag the Axeman. Shostag the the Axeman. How badass. What a... Oh, he was so good, though. I could, like... I don't remember reading that he was actually second in line. He was, but, yes. Yeah. But that was brilliant. I was like, "Oh, yes!" I had forgotten about that character entirely until that yeah. moment, and I was I was oddly excited. I didn't expect to like that guy at all. But as soon as that moment came back, I was like, "Ooh, okay." This order is mean, yes. probably my favorite Give outside of Borensen.
0: King yeah. Orden? Yeah. Oh. Oh, uh, why is that? Yeah.
2: I don't know. I find him intriguing. I he He's sort of like... His last stand kind of reminded me of Ingtar.
1: Sure. From Wheel oh, of sure. Time. Ingtar mm-hmm. from the Wheel of Time. I yeah, mean, I guess he's a, not really self-sacrifice. like... He's not, well, Ingtar mor- he's doing not morally to, like, reckoning himself, but... Redeem his soul, exactly. Uh, in, in, But King Orden did have a lot of the same motivation, I suppose. Maybe not for a reckoning of his soul, but I see exactly what you're saying. That, that kind of sacrificing attitude and i think Um, a little bit in his realization that
2: he he wants to rescind his order to yes have so that was a powerful
1: powerful moment when he was hugging his friend and he was weeping on his shoulder Mm -hmm. and his friend was has the mind of a child or less than that of a child and he's doesn't understand why he's being hugged and cried upon that was really an impactful moment uh, to read or at least in my case to hear. I was like I oh, damn. One of the worst, worst moments, moments was at the end when Silaresta Oh, like, oh gosh. god. Yeah. Oh god. Let's let's end, move on like... to that. Oh shit, Mother okay, so mother fing Borinson. Let's like discuss uh, of all
0: of all the lucid <laughs> thoughts so, to yeah. have. Right. So 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 let's let's kind of like di- dial so back to Borinson here and kind yeah. of regroup and, and let's move on from the from the Battle of Longmont. <laughs> Yes, let's... And let's talk about Borensen's character arc. So in the first half of the book, we knew that so he, much hope. he was given this opportunity to marry Mirima. He's betrothed mm-hmm. to her. And so he has a reason to live. And he's also given, essentially, a reason to morally die when he has this yeah. order from King Orden to kill all of Rashiten's dedicates. And that yeah. includes King Silveresta and Iome. And where we left off in part one, Gaborn had just convinced Borensen... To hold off
1: on until Iome and King.
0: and King Silveresta until Gaborn could talk to his father about the order, mm-hmm. and Borinson says, "Okay, I'm gonna let them live." And and during this whole part, now, the yeah, first yeah. part of the book, Borinson keeps telling himself, "I am not death. I am not death." I, he's like he, he his soul, his his morality, his moral compass. He can't allow himself to give in to this uh wanton destruction mm-hmm. this specific yeah wanton lack of ethical action where he just has to kill and but he has to follow his order and so he goes into the Dedicate's keep at the beginning of the second half of this book and he kills 2000 people was it in in the span mm. of 4 hours he kills DS. thousands of defenseless crippled Men, women, and children. I mean, that scene mm-hmm. in the kitchens where he kills yeah, the two that girls was tough. Heartbreaking. That was tough. Heartbreaking. And, yeah. and by the end of it, he is deranged. He's insane. As anyone would be, of he, he has crossed his moral event horizon, and he has lost any kind of touch on reality. And, yeah. and, and he hates himself for it. And as we see at the end of the book, instead of saying, I am not deaf... He embraces it. and He says, yeah. I am death. Therefore, completing the, the exact 180 um,
1: uh, of Borensen's whole, whole, like, morality. The guy was, like, oh, God, I forget exactly what I was going to say about Borensen.
0: Um, well, well so consider moment. his role. No, no, role. keep going. It'll come to me. It'll come to me. Consider his role. He's a bodyguard. Yes. He's Gaborn's bodyguard. His job is to preserve life.
1: Yes. Oh, that, that's right. Now I remember what it was. It brings and, a really interesting question because Borenson, of course, does this in the name of protecting his homeland as a, you know, on orders from the king himself of Mystaria, he's, he th- like, this is an act of honor, but it's uh, absolutely not. Yeah. Uh, at what point, you know, at what point do you sacrifice honor for, like, justice, I suppose? Because that was not a just Mercy? command. Mercy? Mercy, exactly. Like... He's like I'm surprised he doesn't get more angry at his king because that's the that's the kind of thing that you feel like somebody, especially somebody who eventually becomes unhinged, as that would make anybody, mm-hmm. he like but he still to the T follows his orders from King Orden. And I just I find that I don't know, a little hard to believe of somebody. Um especially taking his orders so literally at the very end. That yeah, kind well, of then-
0: snap decision that was just and, and that's based on the, bad information, but... Yeah, again, based on bad information, but, but, but that is... But he had is...
1: already allowed them to live once, pending uh, a further... But know, he's a, a further now. The the guy's out
0: of his mind. You know, he's he's he thinks he's just lost Mirama. He thinks she's yep. dead. So he, he has nothing yeah, to true. live for anymore. I
1: had, I had forgotten that at that point. He still thought Mirama was dead.
0: Yeah. Yeah, he, he thought Mirama was in Longmont... When in reality, of course, King Orden turned her away and told her to go wait at Bread's Four Manor where the, yep. the force bulls were hidden. But and so
2: and the big thing for him wasn't one of the big things that a dying king's like last command had to be carried out no matter what. So then oh, he learns yeah. order another is point dead and that just adds fuel to the fire.
0: Yeah. And and so we we have this final uh line that he crosses where he thinks he is done. His life is over. There is nothing left to live for other than to carry out this one final duty.
1: Yeah, his his late king's final order. Yeah,
0: I and then and then he carries it out, and he and he kills silver Oh, he carries
1: and, it out. Oh, and, he definitely again, carries shit out. In a very graphic
0: manner, he, oh, yeah. he charges him on a force horse going like sixty miles an hour and impales him on a lance, ten and, feet through. Oh my goodness! Yeah, just just a <laughs> oh, brutal death, and uh, and immediately after he discovers that order was rescinded.
1: I was a little uh, infuriated. Not infuriated. Like, you can't be a little infuriated, I suppose. <laughs> uh, but I was a little irritated with the fact that Gaborn. I, th- I feel like Gaborne could have stopped him. Because Gaborn still has plenty of endowments, doesn't he? He could have shouted. Like, I, I suppose, once again, you could argue that, you know, Borenson is past, and I like the way you described it earlier, the event horizon. Yeah, his moral his, event Was it morality? Yes, yeah. moral event horizon, yeah. Like, I suppose, yeah, you know, I just made my decision that I'm not mad at Gaborn for not being able to stop because who knows, <laughs> what a shout from Gaborn, Gaborn, did I just, Gaborn, my, yeah. my apologies, Gaborn, uh, and I think yeah, it was like kind what of, a shout there's from some Gaborne like,
2: watching a car wreck in slow motion, like,
1: yes, yes. oh god, it, so, did, it totally was, there was have that have moment where it's like, and really reacts, like oh, no. you know? oh, and then you have, you have time to go, no,
0: No, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. And it just, it just happens. Yeah. And you're just left there. That's such uh... a,
0: the way this book ends, you know, it ends on a hopeful note, but there's so much in the last 150 pages that is utterly heartbreaking. I mean, David Farland really knows how to get us into his character's minds, Mm -hmm. create uh, empathy for them, and then tear us apart yeah. Uh, yeah based on what they do I mean it's, it's a very
1: well aimed shot oh, it's like a professional oh boxer goodness. punching it, you masterfully right in
0: the masterfully done at the yeah, end of this book um, you know and, and so so the way the way it ends you know uh, Gaborin has killed King Silveresta and Iome as the new queen has this dilemma of like what is she gonna do she understands like the the, the logic behind it you know it was an act of war uh king silveresto was a dedicate for raja ten and, and there yeah. is very much this this um you know double standard there it's like well how can how can we judge him when everybody knows if the positions were reversed the orders would have been the same mm-hmm. you know it's like it's war you're you're supposed to kill your enemy's dedicates and she doesn't know how to approach his judgment and and she eventually Decides to show some leniency in a, in a manner. Uh, he becomes a knight equitable. Uh, his his oaths to House orden are revoked. And Iome gives him a quest to go find Dalen Hammer. The yeah. sum of all men.
1: Yeah. Um, that, was, that was a really good idea. I, I had no idea what her supposed stance was going to be. Um, after she clearly was not going to take it as badly as I had thought she would. Um, I will say that at the end of the book, I lost a little bit of respect for Ayome. I maybe I I lost a little bit of maybe she just became a little less human, perhaps a little, a little less visceral to me simply because she was able to rationally deal with her father's death. And I just don't feel like Mm -hmm. to me, I feel like I'm sorry, but if somebody had done that to one of my parents, granted, obviously I wasn't raised royalty or anything, um, but it's just like, I can't imagine somebody taking their parents' death and she didn't take it well, but without, the complete irrationality that follows such a tragic loss, especially with her father's state of mind at that moment. I mean, he had, the, he had the mind of less than that of a toddler. He had no idea why it was happening or what was going on. He died without remembering her name or mm-hmm. who she was. And that, to me, was the most single heartbreak, one of the single most heartbreaking things I've ever read. And the fact that she was able to not only pardon him, but, to, well, I guess he, he had a quest that was given to him as a sort of redemption uh, it was. I think. I believe it's like a tradition there in... Yeah, Yeah. in uh, yeah, act I, I, penitent. Yeah.
0: But, penitent. But so so regarding Iome's reaction to the... Uh, I just to, I feel like to it to wasn't visceral death, enough. I, I see it as kind of she... She had already begun preparing for it emotionally from the moment his endowment was taken. That's true. That's true. I'm sorry, yeah, I, I interrupted Jared point. there. I think Jared had something to I was to just going to
2: say, gonna say I think she was helped in part from gaborn being at her side and somebody who she's only known for her through this whole two thing days. and convincing her that, you know, maybe using it as an opportunity to unite the two kingdoms instead.
1: Yeah. A part and in I her I like reaction. the fact that they managed to put that spin on it yeah. that uh, you know, Borenson directly saved the life of the king that he had just slain. At one point he directly saved that king's life and the way they managed to put a spin on that as if you know these are this is a sign that our 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 nations need to unite instead Mm -hmm. of divide and do you think maybe Um,
2: that she felt she was giving him a little benefit of the doubt for letting her live earlier in the book when she had met up with her and gaborn yeah assuredly
1: yeah i'm sure that had that had something to do with her decision yeah she could she knows that he's not an evil man that he was I guess, following orders, which is mm-hmm. overused, I suppose. yeah, but not
0: not always an excuse, you know, not the, always an excuse, it, it is yeah, by yeah, no exactly. means an absolution when I mean we're we're living in a world where men used the excuse yeah. of I was following orders when they killed, you know Jews and gypsies yeah. and Catholics in the holocaust exactly. and 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 you only
1: take that argument so far yeah. but I, I do want to just say that i I have a little less liking, I suppose, or at least a little less empathy yeah. for. Um are in in common with Iome by the end of this book because I, or by the okay. end of the book because in the first half of the book, where is she at the end of the first half? She's lost her glamour. Mm-hmm. you know she's she's had to focus on the slaughter of her family all in a period of, well, I suppose her father's still alive, but to her he's practicing. essentially dead. the slaughter of her family. and yeah, and I mean, a lot of shit happens to iomi in in, in a period of two days this entire book just takes place over the period of two or three days yeah i I think
0: it's four days total or five days total yeah yeah um
1: if you count exactly where the the narrative starts yeah but i just i don't know i feel like by the end of the book she was a lot less um i don't know down on her luck she was a little less empathetic of a character because she has her natural glamour back now Mm -hmm. um i guess her father's dead too so that kind of sucks (laughs) <laughs> well so so I have a I have kind but... of a
0: question of a, a, a sort of theoretical maybe maybe tied into lore question Sure sure um regarding her ability to cope with King Silveresta's death She's got Gaborn right there who's the earth king extraordinarily yes. powerful in, in you know in, in uh, earth magics but she, she also has been his power yet really Who is yep. we now know he, he's an earth warden specifically dedicated to caring for humanity humanity yeah and he is notoriously uh excellent in healing magics and he goes to her immediately after king so Sl- he's the first one who even interacts with her after Holy king Silveresta is killed and, and he gives her you know just some herbs and things that's like oh it helps her rest yeah the tea right it was the tea yeah but, um I forget what was in it. Camille
1: was one of the things.
0: Yeah, but do you think that there was more than just maybe resting? You know what? That's true because she makes a specific
1: moment from her point of view over immediately upon even the first sip how it was way, way more than expected, how much it calmed her nerves mm-hmm. and how much it, it kind of soothed her soul in that yeah. moment. I did make a mental note of that moment saying, is there something actually up with this guy's potions or, oh, or his teas? Certainly. You're right. Yeah, now that you bring this up, she, he you know, he was the first person to talk to her after she witnessed the, the death of her father. And she did make a specific note as to how unexpectedly powerful that tea was and what he said it would do. That's a damn good point. Didn't, Didn't that think of that a good. Point. It's you just quite possible. Gave me some food thought. Yeah. Thought food. You know what I mean. Food for thought. <laughs> food for thought. Yes, thought
0: as the adage goes. Um, but so so let's uh let's rewind a little bit there, because uh, we've we've hey, pretty right, thoroughly covered the end of the book now. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. But you know obviously we left off just a little over halfway through, and we're leaving mm. out a couple of big events right now. So where we left off, Gaborn and Iome and King Silveresta were fleeing into the Dunwood. Mm-hmm. Chased by Rajaten himself.
1: Yes, I forgot that he was they, they he was still hunting them at the end of the
0: And map. and what they do is they lead him deep into the Dunwood. Gaborn himself is guided by the Earth Spirit yep. to the heart of the Dunwood, to the seven standing stones, standing six of stones. which are no longer standing. And there they discover Binnesman battling a reaver mage.
1: <laughs> and isn't that the first Reaver Mage that's been
0: seen in that land for decades? Yes. If, yeah. if not longer than that. A uh, long time. And this Reaver Mage manages to fell the final standing stone. So uh uh-huh. n- these these uh powerful magical obelisks essentially that were sort of mythologized as holding up the world, all of them have fallen.
1: What a coincidence that it happens right now when Binnisman's there and is yes. there and, you know, Gaborn is there. I'm and sure that so no we have this
0: confrontation it. uh among Gaborn and Rajatyn and Benisman. And Rajatyn once again exhorts Binisman to serve him. And Benisman says, you want a warrior? I'll make you a warrior. I'll show you what a warrior of the earth is like. And Binisman uh, crafts a wild
1: oh yes let's talk about the wild i mean sorry continue your thought and then we'll talk about the wild after yeah
0: so he builds this this uh you know earth elemental essentially you know built of rocks and bones and 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 soil and leaves <laughs> this green woman and then it just upped and f- off. off.
1: Yeah, and then it just disappears.
0: <laughs> what the hell was that? It gets like, grabbed it's just up like, in like right, a thanks, tornado <laughs> and flung into the sky. I'm a bounce. And then it's <laughs> just like,
2: oh, <laughs> shit.
1: I'm left there going, okay. Are they, what,
0: uh, okay, that, I'm right. But then let's just yeah. go on. <laughs> so, so that is as clear a Chekhov's gun oh, as God. you can make as an author. I like, uh, that's,
1: that's, yeah. I I have nothing else to add to that because you just summed it up perfectly. You could not have a, you could have a big neon sign with, like, added an in, well, I guess the one with neon, saying, come in, try Chekhov's beer. And you'd be like, oh, Chekhov's going.
0: "Clearly, <laughs> we, we've, it's the we've same. got Chekhov's Couldn't Earth Elemental anymore. lounging above the fireplace. <laughs> Chekhov's
1: Earth <laughs> Elemental. <laughs> I'm going to have to come up with a, uh, a good name for that one. Some sort of wordplay. I'll, I'll have it soon, eventually. Cool yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so,
0: and and then Raja Ten in again, in this moment, in this scene, he officially um, opposes the Earth. Binizmin, uh sends a sleep curse upon Rajatan's party and says all those who would oppose the Earth, it's time to sleep, essentially. And all of them fall asleep except for Jareem, that advisor uh, uh, whose point of view we got in part one. And he yep. switches sides.
1: I wasn't, I wasn't expecting that. I thought Jareem, honestly, I, I didn't make it one of my predictions last week. I think I should have. Maybe I did. I don't remember. I have a terrible memory. <laughs> um, I thought Jareem was going to try and prove himself to rajatan and actually mm. sacrifice himself for rajatan maybe that's not what i thought mm. i don't know i don't remember what my prediction was or what i thought last week well, but so, that's absolutely not what happened
0: so i do remember one of your predictions last week uh okay was, let's go on to that was about um gaborn uh becoming a a sort of hand of the earth king yeah so what what was yeah. your reaction at the end of the book when he was officially crowned as the earth king
1: when I got to that, well, I, I guess I kind of saw it coming, like, chapters and chapters before that, um, as, especially during his moment when he used his mental focus to order people to strike. Yes. So strike, and then suddenly you have it cutting across a few viewpoint, viewpoints mm-hmm. in that same moment. Strike, the, all, the, all these people who are connected to him in some way that I don't know yet. Are suddenly getting the the urge. They feel that same urge. They're connected to him. And I thought, okay, this is something a little more than just like, standard Earth yeah. magic. This is he's got something deeper going on. I'm probably he's going to be the
0: Earth King. Isn't he's the, definitely the that moment I knew
2: people. a result of him being like marking them out, so mm-hmm. to speak.
0: Yes. So we get that at the end of the book, um, uh, for the first time, kind of explicitly stated where he chooses people for the earth. He yes. he doesn't consciously choose Mirama and Borenson and uh, King Orden, but at the end, when he's riding through the villages, and he says, I choose you for the earth. May the earth hide you. May the earth heal you. May the earth protect you. Yes. he's He has come into his powers as the earth king, and, and he's been tasked with saving a seed of humanity through the dark times to come, and he is choosing with a capital C the people he intends to. Oh, it's to got save. a
1: capital on the C. I didn't know that. See, that's something you lose when you're listening to the audio, I
0: suppose. Yeah, yeah, it's um uh, his chosen with with a capital okay. C, um and 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 so you you get this intimate bond between Gaborin and his chosen that allows him to telepathically across great distances communicate and and not only uh give orders or or give but recommendations feelings. but to like he he actually incites action yeah like he he gives a recommendation like hey now is a good time to strike but it, it manifests in those people as a physical urge to move
1: yeah uh which one was it that just that reached out and punched uh, was it uh she was Chinois, out, struck a yeah. uh, piece of furniture or something no like she that? she
0: broke a round of cheese with her hand was that what she did? Yeah, she was. She was at the kitchen table, like making dinner, and and uh, and she had this urge, and she just like slammed her fist and broke a round yeah. of cheese.
1: That's the moment that I re- I realized I'm like, okay, Geborn, some sort of Earth Kingery is happening here. This is a little more than just a hand. Yeah,
2: yeah. yeah. Now isn't the uh, the downside of all of this that that means they're also sort of marked out by fire as well? Correct.
1: Mm, which interested me. I thought maybe all mm. the elementals were kind of united in this struggle against whatever the hell is spawning um, the Reavers, what the hell is behind that magic system, and what's going on there as the yeah. ultimate threat to humanity. But then can, like especially near the end, he makes all these references to the fact that it's earth versus fire or that it's specifically fire that wants to destroy them.
0: Yeah, but, but there's a, a little bit of a twist on it because he also talks to Gaborne about the union. He says in an ideal world, All of them Mm. do act together. Yeah. But in their world, in in their reality, they're not in Union. And fire is very specifically opposed to Earth. then
1: the Fire Nation attacked.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. I haven't seen
1: The Last Airbender at all. I just, I know the...
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, so straight up tangent right now <laughs> watch avatar the last airbender it is okay. so good the writing in that is amazing are you, you know maybe, maybe we'll we'll hold off it like down the road we'll do like a season by season review Binge. of of avatar i am so serious that show is incredible it is so good
1: you've intrigued me my friend it is so freaking good just not the movie does
0: yeah, no, yeah, don't watch the live-action M. Night Shyamalan oh, God disaster. God. I'm not
1: going to watch live-action yeah. no, no, adaptations the, of anime ever. Yeah, the, the TV show is... Dragon Ball Evolution ruined that for me. <laughs> oh, my God.
0: <laughs>
1: I've said the naughty words,
0: haven't I? Oh, it's so bad. And, anyway, anyway, re- rewinding here. So Fucking we Justin we Shannon. are given, you know, confirmation here that fire is in opposition to Earth and that mm-hmm. anybody Gaborne marks out, anybody he chooses... Chooses with a Fire will recognize that choosing and work harder to destroy them. Because the earth is yeah. about protecting and preserving. Yeah, and, and then Gabor had a real moment
1: of of realism where he goes, Oh, crap. Anybody that I specifically choose, I'm putting them more in yeah. danger. Yeah. And that adds a lot more of a dimension to his character that I wasn't expecting so to my get. My question is, how can they ever one? be
2: in unity if they're so opposed to each other in... Well, this it's is, about balance. Sorry, can, can you repeat
1: balance. that? I, I didn't catch the first half of that. It's harmony, Jared. Oh my God! It is. It's ruin oh, cool. and preservation. Oh, uh, oh no! You didn't just do that. You didn't just go there, Drew. <laughs> what are you doing, man? Don't do that. Okay.
0: For for anybody who isn't uh, familiar with the Cosmere, I'm sorry, but uh, it's okay. Had, that's just a joke for
1: that. for a few of us. Don't worry about it. Um, They're cool if they get it. They're cool if they don't.
0: But but so what? What Ra was getting there is a very good point. It it creates. A fantastic internal conflict for Gaborn mm-hmm. going forward, where you know he's accepted his role as the Earth King now. Um, he he understands his his uh, his goal that he needs to preserve a remnant of humanity in the dark times to come.
1: I would argue that he accepted his position as the Earth King. Well, he accepted his kind of M O earlier when the Earth King actually I don't want to say endowed him with his powers but you're absolutely right in saying i and i agree with saying that he now understands them yeah and the implications well, and, of that but, a lot but
0: along with that comes this conflict of like this is an awful responsibility yeah it's a and burden any time that i'm working on pursuing this goal that the earth has ordained me with i am making it harder on myself and so yes. Gaborn has this kind of double-edged sword where he's like, I want to choose people, but at the same time, I know I can't save all of them, and it's gonna hurt me even more losing them because I can feel their deaths. So Yes, he
1: does feel their death, doesn't he? He knows he his father is dead before he gets confirmation. He does. He knows long before. Yeah. So that's is that I'm assuming that's another, I guess, benefit of are another boon, I suppose. If, he, <laughs> if you want to call it a benefit. That, well, I mean, you, it's useful information to know that somebody yeah, who yeah. You, who is, you know, a big player has died. Sure. You know, instantaneously, sure. in the moment. He doesn't have to send orders, you know, assuming one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, he knows internally, which in this case, of course, sucks when it's your own father, you mm-hmm. know. He knows, oh, you know. Yeah. Or at least, you know, something along those lines. Um but I really like the whole play between the powers, and there seems to me there seems to be in starting a new topic. I guess this would be mm-hmm. um, a kind of duality with with magic systems here. There's the there's the power that I associate as the earth power, right? And sure. there's also the power that I, is is that of the rune lords, which seems to to me, as far as I can tell, just like a, a man made thing, or not man made. Sorry, that's that's the wrong term, but just it only deals with human beings. Well, I suppose it doesn't. You know what? Men can get endowments from dogs can't they never mind i take that back oh that is
0: a a very astute observation is
1: it oh look at oh, me oh it is awesome <laughs> <laughs> but uh the, there's the power of the so is there i guess that whatever the hell the reavers can do in the reaver mage so I mean, that might make a third magic system later for all i know
0: um, oh well, well so the reaver mage that we see uh she's she's a, a flame weaver she does whoa. the same thing that the the flame weavers really? do where she sucks the heat from the air
1: I didn't realize that. I thought... Okay, I thought it was just some sort of... Yeah, yeah, she casts a spell that, like,
0: sucks the heat out of Gaborne and his horse, and when she strikes the the seventh standing stone, it, like, it gets rhymed with frost.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay, I missed the frost detail. Yeah. Yeah. Now, going on forward from here, I'm going to be a lot more prone to ramble, so I'm just giving you
0: a a little bit of (laughs) water. Yeah, no, I gotcha. I gotcha. Um, Yeah, yeah, so we're... uh, you know, we're closing in I think we're about 45 minutes we have 15 minutes left um, so I think we should Give kind of take. move into some yep. of our, our uh, concluding thoughts here before we go on to the final draft and um, I I just want to talk about specifically Borinson and his character arc here I want to reiterate how amazingly well done this was it's yeah. it's a just a crushing experience as a reader yeah y- you you like this guy he's, he's <laughs> I fun him. he's I've jovial f- he's good liked, at what he does liked past tense I want
1: to f- I want to emphasize that past tense on there at least for me you know
0: and 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 you know like we ended the first episode where Rob was talking about like how much of a badass he is hmm. when he <laughs> takes on that invincible <laughs> captain and you yeah. know like Borensen is a is a is a tremendous character and yeah his whole life is torn apart in the back half of this book his his moral compass is is gone uh any kind of moral high ground he could aspire to is gone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: he's He's experienced horribly traumatic events. There are so many moments with him that are yeah. heartrending yeah yeah I, I just like, every time I go back to when he first goes into the dedicate's keep. And he goes into the kitchens, and there's the mute girl. The yeah. 10-year-old and he girl.
1: recognizes her right away, or he recognizes the second one, but he definitely recognizes one.
0: And and he, he has to kill them, and he breaks her neck because he thinks this is the most humane, humane way I can do this. Exactly. But it's in that moment when he kills that first girl and realizes this place is undefended. Raja 10 did this on purpose. He wanted... Not necessarily Borenson specifically, but he wanted King Orden to slaughter the people of Herodon to drive a wedge between them, and that was just the macro you know that Raja Ten didn't even consider the the individual toll this action would take and borensen it it's such a perfect image when he walks out of the dedicate's keep at the end of the night, yes covered from head to toe in blood holding two knives and just stands there in the rain yeah horribly tortured about what he just did yeah it's it's a powerful moment
1: it's a very powerful moment it it definitely gives him a reason well not a reason it gives him um some measure of understanding I suppose like for what's going to happen to him later you know uh specifically about Borenson you know I just like his whole he has he does have an arc it's not it's not a usual or a um convenient one I suppose but Borenson like his whole moral compass has been compromised now by his orders he does it in the name of honor he does it in the name of protection but at the same time he's killing it's a it's a contradiction it's a self-contradiction that ultimately you know with those two parts of him pulling in opposite direction it tears him apart it really does um that said i still don't forgive the guy i mean that whole scene i even had a moment this is a moment i've never had before reading another book where Mm. a character was in pain at you know was being tortured in this instance Borinson, you know realizing at the very end that he has killed King Orden's best friend um despite the fact that those orders were rescinded and yeah. how much it tears him apart and what he realizes that he's just done but I was so mad at him in that moment that <laughs> I personally was going fuck yeah yeah <laughs> You fucking feel that shit. I was like, that's right. That's what you did. It's like I, I wanted him to like, I wanted Iomi to grab him and to rub his nose in it. Like, look what you did. You know, I just hated him so much in that moment. But I can tell that on further read throughs, obviously understanding where he's coming from, not knowing where he's going, that I might have a little more sympathy for him. But in that moment, I did not feel it at all. I hate yeah. like right now yeah. as it stands. Bornson hate the guy Like he pissed me off with what he did there and
2: certainly upcoming you know he'll have a chance to redeem himself
1: on on this mission and he's got a he's got a lot of time i suppose yeah yeah Yeah, he's finding whether whether you
0: think his success on this mission counts as redemption or not yeah mm -hmm. yeah well but
1: yeah i'm thinking it will be but you know you're smiling very evilly so i'm (laughs) like i'm i'm assuming there's some uh, oh well (laughs) sir there's some what's what i'm looking for bamboozle. I, I think, happening. I think you'll
0: be very interested to see where his, his character arc goes. I find it hard to give
2: like wrap up thoughts, knowing some things that are coming.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's right. We're in wrap up thoughts right now. Here I am rambling. Um, yeah. Well, are... so
0: I, I want to go to Rob for wrap up thoughts and maybe uh, predictions for the next book.
1: Ooh. Oh my God. That's something I hadn't even considered. Okay. Um, just going off on the fly here. Uh, I'm assuming that the Reavers, of course, are the ultimate th- threat. I think that they're a threat to the planet as a whole, or at least life on that planet as a whole, and whatever it is they represent or they're acting on the behalf of, or who, if you will. I think Raj Atten's kind of megalomaniac attitude is going to be a big problem uh, for mankind. It's going to be a big delay in any kind of defense that they have against mm. this impending doom okay uh for all i know though he could change have a change of heart and become a boon to the earth king in his struggle i ultimately assume it's going to be the earth king versus the reavers and um the the fall of the seventh standing stone is that what they're called yeah yep. um i assume that's actually a metaphor for something bigger that's just happened or that is happening in the process of happening um so, but how, how about some specific
0: that, specific thoughts? Like, wh- where do you think the next book is going?
1: The next book specifically? Yeah, um, it's going to deal with Rajatan's retreat. I thought he retreated south, but it turns out he didn't. Did he? He's just mm-hmm. holding up. He went or to Holding fleets. up nearby somewhere. Uh, Oh, that's the, uh, yeah, that's the Scottish land. At least if you listen to the audio book, that's the Scottish... Okay, good. I'm glad that you agreed on that right away. Um, I thought he was going to retreat back home, and we're going to see a whole bunch of political maneuverings where he's from and how strong a nation that is, kind of like in a mirror of the Sean Chan in The Wheel of Time. I guess I'm perhaps not reading into that book enough. I've only read the first book one time. Um, But, yeah. uh, Is there anything specific you want to ask me
0: about? Like, who specifically... No, no, I, I was just wondering if you had any, like, kind of, uh, you know, impressions or, or, like, gut instincts of where you, you thought it might go. Um,
1: There's going to be something to do, something important with the Rune Lords and their whole magic system and how it plays as, like, counterpart to the Earth, but perhaps with the Earth. By the way, speaking of the Earth power, just a small tangent here. Um, Binnis Man, I love the fact that he has Seasons if that's what you want to call yes. it. That was pretty cool. That was a yes. really good idea. I chuckled a few times, you know, how now his, his hair is turned, I think it's like a bright white or it's yep. silver, which it wasn't before. His robes are like the color of fall leaves. Yeah. Uh, I thought that was a really cool idea. I'm yeah, like, he went damn. from
0: summer into fall. Yeah. Yep.
1: And it makes me wonder what the hell is winter.
0: What's oh, yeah. And, and Gaborne asks him about winter. And yeah. He's like, oh, Does Gaborn? Oh, I didn't. I missed We won't that part. touch that damn right it.
1: now. Maybe a supervisor was talking to me at that point. It reminds had, me of uh, like uh, turn it Gandalf
2: the Grey. <laughs> it's Gan- Gandalf.
1: Yes, yes, again, White. Gandalf yeah. the Grey. There's a lot of uh, influence there. I want to say. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm really hoping that Farland, you know, fills his promises because, or fulfills his promises. Sorry, because I mean, the Rune Lords. It, I can tell that this is going to be a series that changes the way I think about fantasy, if you will. It's mm. uh, maybe, wow. Just like Brandon Sanderson has, uh, just like Robert Jordan did. Um, what was I gonna say? That's high praise. Uh, it is. It's. I. I definitely. I definitely. Farland is is in my top ten without a question. Um, very likely in my top five. As far already. As, uh, yeah. After book one, like his his prose reads very well. his descriptions read very well, as I brought up in the last episode. Yeah, yeah. Um, the way he manages to put a lot of description. Um, across a couple of paragraphs, but not make it seem like it's out of place yeah. or slow is a rare talent. I, I, I want to study that a lot more. I think it'll help me as a writer. Um, but yeah, Farland knows how to finish a book. He Like that is a clo- as close to a perfect ending as I think I've read with a possible exception of Hero of Ages, no, definitely Hero of Ages, sorry, that was incredible. That, of course, <laughs> for those who don't know, is Brandon Sanderson's uh, Mistborn book number three, which concludes the first Mistborn trilogy. Uh, mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll, We will definitely be discussing that, those books oh, yeah, we'll, we'll at get to length, that. Uh, eventually. But, I, again, speaking of Sanderson, of course, you can see, especially a lot of really fast-changing uh, viewpoints near the end and a lot of moments yes. that are happening simultaneously with one point with one character and another character and another character. I see what you were saying now. There was a there was a chapter in this book that was just uh, on the audiobook it was like a minute and a half. Yeah. Maybe it was two and a half minutes. Yeah, there are very, several very
0: extraordinarily short chapters. Um, like but the a way page he long. manages
1: to big up to build up the big cinematic almost climax with all these crazy things happening, this spectacle happening, and then he's changing multiple viewpoints very fast as it happens, with things happening happening simultaneously with one another. I definitely saw um, a lot of potential influence to Brandon Sanderson. Um, yeah. So if I mean if he's the kind of guy that influenced, and you said he was Brandon Sanderson's. Professor, teacher, one point? yeah, creative writing teacher, professor, yeah, creative writing professor. Yeah, like so, I mean, I'm just going to that show alone you... is accolade, accolade. How do you pronounce that word?
0: So, so I'm just going to show you, like, this is the book. This is a chapter. Yeah. Like so, the chapter starts like here, middle of the page. Okay. Oh, one sweet. page. have seen the book yet. Next chapter. Sweet. And like, then again yeah. here, one page, two pages, next chapter.
1: Boom! Boom! Viewpoint! 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 Boom! Yeah. Boom, 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 boom! It's happening quickly. It's happening simultaneously. It's very good. It's an avalanche, if you want to call it. Yeah, that. no,
0: I, I was gonna bring that up. I, I yeah. think I think Brandon Sanderson, you know, he's sort of trademarked the the, the Sanderson avalanche, the Sanderlanch, whatever you wanna call yeah. it. Um he's <laughs> trademarked that. But from reading David Farland, I think he learned it from somewhere, you know?
1: Yep. And it's always great when authors take something or someone who who changed the, the the landscape of fantasy as a whole, but they put their their own spin on it. Robert yes. Jordan, of course, did it with J.R.R. Tolkien, and I think that Brandon Sanderson is taking not as much influence, but he's definitely he's definitely got those roots. Yeah, and it's yeah. very clear to see. Um, so that that really gives me a lot of hopes, high hopes for David Farland too, because if you if you taught if you had any influence on Brandon Sanderson's current works, you should be proud. You really should. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, Jared, so, do, you, do you have any, you know, kind of concluding thoughts yeah, or points here?
2: I guess I would say I have a minor one and a major one. Okay. Okay. The minor one that I kind of wanted to touch on earlier but forgot is that honestly one of my most one of the most intriguing parts of this book for me that I think is probably not talked about that much is the relationship. Between the days and... Oh, yes, the days. Oh, to yeah. talk about the days. And, you know, specifically we have with Gaborne where he learns about these domains from the Emirs book. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. one thing I'm really intrigued with on my reread is to see how this concept of domains influences Gaborn's character moving forward. And yeah. especially given the yes. fact, combining that with his sort of responsibility, knowing that when he marks people out, he's also kind of you know when he when he chooses people, he's also marking them for death potentially. And how does this conflict with this sort of new theory that he's rolling with regarding the domains? Yeah. Wait. Yeah. wait so the the this was fact your he minor needs point. To protect people, that's his job to preserve. <laughs> This is a somewhat minor point. I guess compared to my major point.
0: <laughs> okay, well, I'm ready for this now. So, my major no, let's, let's point... Let's hear it. Bring it
2: on, dude. That, uh, that I certainly think is much more discussed is just the magic system as a whole with endowments. Okay. Like, I can't... I can't remember off the top of my head a magic system that affects more... aspects of a novel than this one. It's... It's the morality of the system. Of it affects the, the economy. Yep. It, you know, it affects the characters. It's just, yeah, it's brilliant. It, it's beyond. It's beyond superficial.
0: You know, it's so it well thought out and so thoroughly realized. Yep. Where yeah. Yeah. Where a, every every single aspect of every culture <clears throat> is impacted by this, and and it's impacted on the page. It's not something like. Like, there are plenty of books out there where fans can read it and be like, oh, wow, look at all these implications of this. Where, like, imagine what this magic might do living in a city here or, or like in this kind of a culture there, whatever. No, we see that on the page in this. We see what mm-hmm. it does to economies. We see how people, you know, with, with Murama, she comes from, from a struggling family and they make yeah. this, these, Heavy decisions in the hope of economic advantage, and we see, you know, the the extreme cost that it takes to maintain a dedicates keep, and how, and how they have to like put dedicates to work within it in order to keep mm-hmm. it economically viable, financially viable. Where you you have the more um, yeah. the mobile, more facile dedicates, maybe they're mutes or or they're deaf or. They're blind and they can still use their hands to make bread or, you know, uh, you know, clear out the chamber pots and things like yeah. that. And and so yeah. you have these people that and they're not paying them, you know, they're, yeah. they, their pay is their room and board in the dedicates keep. Yeah. And, you know, and then you have Peasants, like, we get so many stories about how pragmatic King Ordon is. Oh, and how I heard the word pragmatic so many youth, times. I mean,
1: in his first youth,
0: he would um, kind of strong-arm peasants into selling their endowments. Where he's like, oh, yeah, I'll give you a couple of gold coins to keep your family afloat, yep. but you gotta and give fact, me your stamina. Yeah. You know?
2: And I love the uh, kind of near the end when Gaborn, like, all those people are offering up to give him oh, endowments oh. at the end, and he denies them and says, no, I'll pay you instead to like help rebuild yeah. the castle. Yeah. Or, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, start Brownie life for yourself. And for he says the Definitely. only people he will take endowments from are those who understand that the giving of their endowment is an act of war.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. Like, uh, I want to go back to Drew's earlier point, um, that Farland has what I think is a rare understanding of just societal implications. Yeah. Of a magic system. And, mm-hmm. and, um, exactly what Drew was saying was something that I had made a particular note of was that something that like what happened with uh, Mirama's family and the fact that they would choose one person to give all of their endowments to, yeah. um, to live as wretches, for lack of a better word, for the rest of their lives, but in the hope that, you know, their one sibling or their one parent can take care of them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something that I think takes a lot of thought. That, like, Farland has this ability to... Place an object and see everything around it and how it fits. Yeah. Yeah. And um, that, I think, alone is why he's in my top five uh, after reading a single book. It was, that was an awesome recommendation on your part, my man. Oh, I yeah. I'm, I'm glad.
0: I, I thought you would enjoy it. I didn't I'm imagine sorry, I'm you would enjoy it. It's pretty good much. right now. So. <laughs>
2: anyway,
1: yeah, uh, any final thoughts? I would
2: just say, since it's been. So long since I've read this, I'm quite excited to move on to the next ones. Oh yeah! Only, only like I only remember I have, some
1: you know big stuff. So, I have Audible credits, um, and I'm I've just turned on my mark. At least open my phone. I'm gonna get book number two. I'm gonna download it right now. Brotherhood of the Wolf. Yes. Brotherhood of the Wolf. David Farland. Yeah.
0: Um, In store. Yeah. So I, I think uh, that's more or less a wrap for Rune Lords the Some of All Men. Yep. Um. Uh, shall we move on to the final draft here? We shall move
1: on to the final draft. Uh, Jared,
0: kick us off. Yep, so uh, sticking with the
2: theme of Jared and the kind of beers I like, uh, this one is a coffee milk stout from Stone Brewing Company.
0: Oh, Stone is an excellent, excellent brewery. Um, is that a local brewery? It's it is like a, San don't Diego, that I do have California. access to
1: until I come yeah. visit? Okay, well, yeah, I guess. Do they ship? So
2: yeah, it's just uh, a <laughs> coffee-laced stout.
1: Okay right. a stout so it's a dark beer. It's, yes, uh, I'm, yes I'm still learning these things for those who don't know or haven't heard our previous episodes stone i uh I know nothing about beer I like beer on occasion I just you know I have I'm more of a whiskey guy of a scotch guy well when you ever so come out to visit uh, I'm absolutely Colorado. open to have my mind blown when I eventually I do make my way down there yes. to Colorado
0: oh yes um, yeah so uh Rob, how about you uh
1: I have been partaking in a beer that I, well, originally I had gone to the liquor store today. Um, Here in Ontario, we have what's called the LCBO, and they have liquor and beer in that store. And I was looking for um, a specific Belgian beer. It was an import um, that was recommended to me by a a Belgian guy that I used to work with by the name of Mark. Um, It's called Duvel. Oh, Duvel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And it comes in uh, a very small bottle. It's, yep. I think it's like eight percent or maybe eleven yeah, yeah. percent beer. It's pretty strong, um, and, and little bottle like four packs. And I was looking for that, but I guess they didn't have it. So I saw, I spotted this one sitting on the shelf there, and I just had to go for it. This here is a Canadian treasure. This is Freedom Thirty Five. It is Trailer Park Boys, oh, and their beer brand. Trailer Park Boys. Uh, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, I was not expecting, I bought it and I was like, I, I imagined this moment where I was going to have to talk about it and I was g- I was getting ready to say it's piss, <laughs> you know, it's, it's just crap. It's cheap. It's, it is pretty cheap, but holy shit over the entire course of this episode, I've had two of these tall boys here. I was trying not to like gasp over how good it tastes. Wow. It was awesome i was not expecting it to be that like fruity but delightful i'm gonna pour a little bit more. very nice um so
0: i I, it's a very good beer i do have to give you a little bit of a crap though because i see (laughs) there you're drinking it out of a boston bruins glass
1: oh shit i was hoping you weren't gonna notice that that's my stepdad's it's just it's a it's the right size and it was clean i was like got it oh terrible Terrible. <laughs> Not that I have anything against the Bruins, I do like the Bruins. Um, oh, I do. And have I also like the Canadian, which is also kind of a, a controversial thing to say. I understand <laughs> that, um, if you're Canadian or if you follow hockey. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, um,
1: well, <laughs> anyway, um,
0: I um, I tried to keep to my thematic beers here. Yeah. It, it's not as perfect this time around as it was the last couple of weeks with Wake Up Dead for Elantris or uh, Ghosts in the Forest for the first half of Rune Lords, but it was it was appropriate for today in Fort Collins at least, and I I think uh, the Battle of Longmont a bit. Um, the this beer is from Copper Kettle Brewing Company, which is from Denver, Colorado. Copper Kettle. It is a coconut snowed in.
1: <gasps> oh, I love coconut.
0: It is an oatmeal stout aged in bourbon barrels. Oatmeal stout with coconut and coconut and chocolate. And uh and and you know it's snowing here in Fort Collins, so I thought that was fine. But know, uh, also remember like at the Battle of Longmont when we were talking about the flame weavers, how they yeah. suck the heat out of the sky and, yeah, and they they make it the turn atmosphere. from a sunny day into a snow and hailstorm. Yeah. You know? So that that was my tie in for this this time around. Yeah. Uh and, and let me just tell you, this beer is phenomenal. Yeah? You know, if you if you like dark beers, if you like, I like a thick, occasion. malty, boozy stouts, and you ever see this beer on the shelves or or on tap at your local you know craft beer bar or, or whatever, buy it. This beer is excellent. It is smooth. It is rich. I made a joke, you know, when we were chatting before we started recording here that it's the color of ink. I mean, it, this is this is. <laughs> Thick and yeah. black and delicious which is appropriate for this podcast. So yeah, that that's that's yeah. uh my inclusion for the final draft here. And uh and I think that brings us to the end. So you know, we're we're one book into the Rune Lords here. Uh we're yes. gonna be back next week with another episode kicking off Brotherhood of the Wolf, which is the second book of the Rune Lords um jared will be back once again he'll be here throughout the whole rune lord series so uh you know get used excellent to
2: get uh, used to me guys
0: <laughs> awesome um, sounds good yeah thanks so, for joining us everybody yeah as always yeah thanks for listening we appreciate it and uh always a good talk so absolutely see you guys peace